Distazapod, action figure A to Z. I'm going through the Toy Mart's toy encyclopedia and talking about each and every toy line they have in here. Part one, we covered A-Team to Batman. Go back and listen to that now if you haven't heard it. This is part two, where we will be covering Battle Beasts and beyond. So right off the bat, we get to start with an amazing toy line I love very much. Battle Beasts. Um, I bet you guys love these too. They were most notable for having sort of heat-sensitive stickers in their chest, which showed fire, water, or wood. It was sort of a play on paper, scissors, rocks. Um, The first set I got contained Sly Fox, who uh, was this very handsome-looking fox character with white and blue armor, which would later go on to, in part, inspire the royal Night of the Sly's color scheme. Uh, I can't for the life of me remember who the counterpart was in the two-pack I got, but I do remember I got it from JCPenney's, which was kind of an odd place to find toys at the time. Um, This is a fantastic line. It would be around my 18th or 19th year when the internet was starting to come into full bloom that I learned Battle Beasts had a much larger life in Japan, and they were actually part of the Transformers universe, There were all sorts of characters I never knew existed. Um, Really, an entire world that had not been discovered. And maybe for some of you, you haven't taken the deep dive into the Japanese versions of Battle Beasts. It it is highly recommended you do that because it's a very rich sort of uh, toy history there. Um, The Laser Beasts were sort of uh, available in Japan only. They featured kind of a like a marble in the chest, and you'd look through the back to see what their secret power was. These were very hard to find. Um, I'm lucky enough to have one or two of them. During the, the sort of early internet days, these were really sought after and very expensive, and prices have kind of fluctuated since then, but um, I consider myself lucky enough to uh, own one in my collection because they're really quite beautiful figures. Um, if you don't have any Battle Beasts, I recommend getting some. They're, they're pricey if you get them complete and you get them with their weapons, but uh, if you just want a beater lot, there's plenty to go after in the secondary market. Pay special close attention to the sculpting on these. They're really fantastically done. I don't think people give enough credit to the uh, sculpting ability. Of this line because it's it's really fantastic has that great 80s future perfect mech sort of feel to it and obviously battle beast inspired the armivore which is probably one of onel's greatest selling glios lines and a fantastic rendition of that there have been other iterations of this idea in the contemporary world there was a sort of ill-fated minimates reboot which was not actually about Battle Beasts, but rather using the name Battle Beasts and kind of trying to do their own spin on the idea, which I don't think was particularly successful. There was also a Takara line um, a few years ago that replaced the sort of stickers and the orbs for a launching dice and an entire game that went around it. This is a beautiful line, really well sculpted. 
The problem is the softness of the plastic really kind of defeats um, what they managed to achieve in aesthetics, which is, is too bad because uh, it, there was so much potential there. Uh, the, the feature also kind of gets in the way of them being action figures. It's sort of, it's one of those diminishing returns where it's not a very good game or game mechanism and the figure sort of suffers for it, so, you know, it's not greater than the sum of its parts. But Battle Beast, definitely a fantastic line. Um, if you're interested, also check out the appearance of these characters in the manga and anime of the Japanese Transformers. There's a huge, interesting sort of storyline and planet that they belong to, um, and a lot of great concept art from the animated series for these characters. Definitely worth researching, because it's, it's a blast. Next up in the book is Battle Brawlers from Kenner. These were kind of large creatures that featured a, uh, a play action, um, hammer tail and crack arm. These were not figures I had. I don't have much of an opinion on them, although for a unique creation, I like the sculpts, I like the color schemes. Just something I, I don't really have a frame of reference to uh, share with you. But uh, if you love them, I support that, and I think it's okay. Moving on, Battle Trolls. There's quite a few troll lines in here. This was the 90s. Everybody was swinging for the next Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, I hate trolls. I detest them. These are terrible. Very bad figures. Very sad. They're losers. Nobody likes them. This was from Hasbro. The less I say, the better. Next up, Battlestar Galactica from Mattel. Um, I had the, the Cylon when I was a kid, and I loved it. I actually remember watching Battlestar Galactica and being enthused by it, however young I was and, you know, however much I could sort of understand from it. These figures sort of suffer from having really interesting villain and alien characters and incredibly bland human characters. So bland that they don't even have any deco on the faces. They have no painted eyes. They're just, they're very tan. They're very beige, very boring. So sad. Um, I, uh, I remember like coming across the human characters and just thinking, these are terrible compared to Star Wars figures. Star Wars figures are so much better. Uh, but I did have a lot of the aliens. I currently in my collection have quite a few of uh figures from this line um it's uh you know i think if you're not born of this era this line probably doesn't mean anything to you and i i don't know that it's worth going back and looking at although i do stand by that the cylon was a pretty interesting figure even if he couldn't actually hold the weapon that he came with next up was battletech from Tycho. Uh, there's a great Toy Galaxy video on this line you can go and check out. This was another line that sort of couldn't deliver on the premise. Comparatively, at the same time, you could go into Toy Works or KB or wherever. All these stores don't exist anymore. And for the same money or less, you could get Exo Squad, which was a far, far superior toy line that uh, was giving you way more bang for your buck. Um, this, this line could have been something, it could have been great, but you're left instead with very odd choices of 
the sort of mechs that they did go with. Um, there's figurines that are mask scale that are probably more interesting than the vehicles themselves, which is definitely a problem. I think Josh Guerra had one of these, and uh, I got to have a little hands-on time, and I was like, yeah, this, this line kind of sucks. So if you're interested in mechs and pilots and things like that, I'm going to tell you to just go right ahead. Check out ExoSquad because it is far superior. Moving along, there's some uh, Beauty and the Beast Burger King premiums. I never had those, so no comment there. Followed by BC Bikers. This was a weird one. This was sort of uh, in the same realm as Biker Mice from Mars. Again, everybody was looking for anthropomorphized animals and gross-out creatures to kind of imitate Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, this was from a company called Street Kids, who had a couple other lines, but didn't do much. They're, they're just sort of an odd blip on the radar. The figures themselves I have come across. I, initially, I didn't know what they were from, but it, they're kind of, you know, cool greaser dinosaurs wearing sunglasses with mohawks. So I picked a few of them up. The figures are all right. They're, they're basically made to ride a bike and not do much else besides that. Um, you know, relatively forgettable, but uh, something that you might want to pick up because it's got a nice 90s feel to it. Following that is, uh, this magazine is jumping around a little bit here, apologies, uh, is Beauty and the Beast, the fashion doll line from Mattel. Again, uh, did not have these, maybe my sisters did. Um, after that is a real oddity, the Walt Disney Bed Knobs and Broomsticks self-propelled action bed, which comes with a doll and a bed, and I just, I don't even, I don't even want to talk about this. This looks very, very disturbing, and I don't know if it was a, uh, I don't know what they're thinking. We're going to move on. Beetlejuice, uh, great movie. Seemed like an okay toy line. Wasn't my sort of thing toy-wise. The colors and everything were, were pretty interesting on these figures, but I tended to gravitate towards action-oriented lines. Um, you know, these are largely play features. You know, it's, it's about the sort of surprise or the scare or the head-turning mechanism. Not a whole lot of action that can sort of occur with this toy line. So it wasn't one that I collected. Uh... But I admire the color schemes of a lot of the figures that they did. I think it's, it's got that great pure 90s feel to it. Moving along, uh, Mark's Johnny West, Best of the West. This was a, um, I guess these are 12-inch figures, and I've had a few of them. And they're really quite fantastic, especially Sam Cobra, who has a, a sort of hidden dagger in his sleeve. But for those that don't have any of these Marks figures, they're essentially 12-inch figures that uh, have don't have clothing, so to speak. Not cloth clothing, clothing anyway. So they're essentially like fashion doll-sized figures. They are probably the most articulated figures of the time and went on to inform a lot of other toys. Um, you can get repos of a lot of these sets for pretty cheap. And I do think if you're interested in the history and the pedigree of action figures and how 
certain things were articulated, uh, how accessories were made. This is a good historical line to check out. Um, there's also really great soft plastic sort of vests and handkerchiefs and you get a ton of accessories with these, with these figures. So really very impressive, way ahead of its time. Um, I believe all the reproductions, let's see here. Yeah, they were done in 1993 and then probably again later on because I remember these maybe being at KB or Toy Works. But this line was from 1965, which is staggering to think about. This is really like such a hyper-articulated figure for the time. Um, it's quite impressive. Uh, also notable, the General Custer figure. I, I may still have him. That's a great figure. And oddly enough, the face sculpt looks exactly like Brad Pitt. I don't know if it was based on somebody specifically, but um, it is a dead ringer for Brad Pitt. So uh, that's an interesting fun fact for you. So uh, if you're into like 12 inch scale things, if you like cowboys, it is, it's kind of a cool, toy line to check out. Um, this will probably come up later on, but the Mark's Knight line is really good too, and had a big influence on me with the Old Knight figure sculpt. Moving along here, a couple of obscure lines. Bytrons, which seems to be a very cheap sort of uh, Japanese transforming robots, rebranded as many companies were trying to imitate the success of Transformers at the time. And then this bizarre line called Bible Greats from Rainfall Toys. Um, this one is, it's bizarre. It kind of has both 8-inch Mego-style figures, uh, and then, like, they appear to be almost roto-molded sort of figures. Um, I'm guessing these were probably sold at, you know, Christian uh, stores. Is there a name for that? Like, the Judaica stores of Christians. I don't know. Christaica? Anyway, moving on. Big Jim, Mattel. Um, I have come across a couple Big Jim figures in my time. They are really kind of cool and kind of interesting. I think, if I'm recalling correctly, they're, they're bigger than 12 inches. They're kind of like 14 inches tall, maybe. Um, notable for having a sort of like solid arm that could articulate with a sort of inner mechanism and a sort of soft plastic outer arm. Uh, in the later waves, there's some really cool, really bizarre figures. I have a Dr. Steel, which has this great chrome hand karate chopping action. Really, really fun figure. Double Trouble, Zorak the Enemy. There, there's some... The later the line the more kooky the characters are in this. And um, it's definitely something to, to check out because there are some very cool uh, oddball things in here. And this is this is sort of, uh, you know, mid-70s, so people are kind of getting over uh, the Vietnam War and culturally a lot of people having very strong anti-war sentiments. And this line really reflects that because uh, there's very few sort of militaristic costumes or colorways. It's, it's a lot of um, extreme sports. So interesting sort of footnote in the history of toys and the public perception and appetite for these things. 
Speaking of appetite, did anyone have an appetite for biker mice from Mars? I know I sure did not. Made by Galoob, this was, to me, a very obvious attempt capturing some of that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle dollars. Maybe I was just slightly too old. I never watched the uh, cartoon series. Um, I just felt like these these were ugly characters. They were really visually unappealing, and I never owned any of these. I, do you guys feel strongly? Did you have these and think they were great? Um, I remember just thinking they looked like complete idiots. Just absolute, the dumbest simps you've ever going to come across. Then from Kenner, we got Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I did not have any of these figures, although I really liked the movies. Again, I tended towards like action-oriented lines, and this just seemed like I-, I wouldn't know what to do with these figures. However, one of my favorite things, and one of the inspirations for the capsules that I make and manufacture, was the Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure Serial Premium Cassette Holder Phone Booth. It was this little plastic bin that you could put cassette tapes in, and it was shaped like the telephone booth from Bill and Ted's. I loved that thing. I used to load it up with G.I. Joe guys, and they would go on time travel missions. And that is a huge piece of why I made the capsules. Next up is a line that I liked quite a bit, actually. Um, again, like like most of the notable toy lines in this, there's a fantastic Toy Galaxy episode. Thanks to Dan and Greg for all the work they do, because honestly, they have just cataloged in great detail all these things. So if you want further reading, you don't have to go further than Toy Galaxy. Um, those guys continue to just churn it out in an amazing way. But anyway, I bring them up because they did an episode on Bionic 6 from LJN. LJN, one of my favorite toy companies from that time. And what they pointed out that I did not know was that Bionic 6 was part of the Bionic Woman and Million Dollar Man. Six Million Dollar Man, I should say, adjusted for inflation. Um, Bionic 6 is a sort of sequel and spinoff to that world which I had no idea. I was sort of too young for Bionic Woman or Six Million Dollar Man. I I never saw the program, had no frame of reference, but I really, really liked Bionic 6. Um, Particularly uh, the character Eric, because he was the only action figure that, like, had baseball gear. And at the time I was playing Little League, I was very bad at it. Um, I don't think I ever even hit the ball. But I, I loved baseball, and um, so I felt like Eric was a cool version of me, maybe? But this line is exceptional for several reasons. One, there's great use of trans- pla- uh, transparent plastic, which is obviously a love affair I'm still exploring to this day. They had die-cast parts, which gave them a real heft, which was pretty amazing. Uh, very cool accessories and fantastic villains. A lot of these lines really suffered from having milk toast or boring villains. This is one of those lines where these villains are pretty damn good. And, um, you know, that's, that's a problem that we've run into a few times here. The villainy, or the lack thereof. But Bionic 6 had them in spades. Um, 
Much to my chagrin, this has become a very, very extremely expensive line to collect. And um, I think I have a few odd bods hanging about. I think I have Dr. Scarab currently. Um, the other thing to look out for with this line is chipping. A lot of paint chipping on the diecast parts. It's very hard to find these in, in good condition. Uh, one favorite thing I like to do with these was toss them in the pool because they sank. And then I would dive down and get them. Sometimes you just had to make your own fun. Next up in the book is Bionic Women, which again, I don't have any frame of reference for. It was before my time. Followed by Disney's Black Hole. Um, out of all the films that deserve a remake, I think that there could be a really tremendous big picture version of the Black Hole I think somebody like Alex Garland could take that film and remake it and make it terrifying. Uh, it is a, a absolute shit movie. I've rewatched it. It is terrible. It is really one of the worst films ever made. But there is something there. The premise of intercepting and landing on this craft that's run by a mad scientist who's zombified his entire crew as they explore a black hole. There's something amazing about that, right? And it, it could be it could be done really well. Um, despite the movie not being good, I had some of these toys. I do like collecting this sort of robot creatures from this line. There are some extremely hard to find characters in here. Um, they also Sentry uh, robots shared the same sort of uh, forearms and hands as Micronauts, which uh, can help you if you're trying to replace uh, missing parts to one of the Sentry robots. I am currently tracking down or trying to the, the Diamond Select versions of Maximilian and Old Bob and, and the robot characters, because I do think, despite how shitty the movie is, it did capture something in my imagination, and I always felt like I liked uh, those robots very much. Then we have the notorious He-Man ripoff, kind of, from Galoob, Black Star. Now, Black Star holds infamy in my childhood memories because I was so profoundly excited to get a Black Star figure. I thought he was so cool, and he had this light-up feature, sort of like a sparking mechanism. He had a glow-in-the-dark sword, came with a little hobbit-type guy. I remember picking him off the shelf at Child World in Hamden, Connecticut, and opening him up in the car, and his legs snapped instantly breaking. And my mom, instead of turning around and getting a new one, she said, don't let your father see that you just broke that toy. And so that was the end of Black Star. I never liked the line after that. Uh, never bought any other characters. I've had a few kind of pass in and out of my collection just in lots and things like that you know if you feel strongly about this line I'm worried you're a bad person and you probably shouldn't be allowed to to adopt pets then we get to this little oddity from a tiny company that I don't think existed much long after they produced this this is the blue thunder helicopter from multi-toy corp this is from 1983 I had a very beat-up, janky, tag-sale version of this Blue Thunder helicopter. I remember watching Blue Thunder as a kid, which is an extremely one-note television show where 
It's a lot of reusing footage of a military helicopter flying over Calabasas, which is a stand-in for any other, you know, any setting in the storytelling of the show. Um, I believe it was also a movie or a made-for-TV movie before it was a series. And I don't know why, but I I just love this helicopter. And still to this day, it's a great-looking toy. And I understand the appeal of it. Um, These are extremely expensive to get nowadays. I did look into procuring one. And, uh, man, they are hard to come by. I still find the pilots from time to time, but they suffer from really brittle plastic and usually are snapped at the uh, knees. After that is Bonanza from American Character from 1966. This is based on the uh, Western TV show, which I never watched, and this is two generations uh, before my time, so no comment there. But right after that, one of the most underrated and glorious toy lines you could ever imagine bone age from kenner i i don't know what they were thinking with this line but essentially it is mask in the prehistoric age and i really greatly love this line i tracked down a huge lot of them about eight years ago and built a huge bone city and uh, i've just always loved the idea of cavemen and warring factions, and even building vehicles out of bone. There's just something really compelling about that. And obviously, the Crow Mega figure, which failed to be unlocked with Action Figure Month 2020. Um, It's, you know, that is my love letter to Bone Age, which I still think is a fantastic toy line. Highly underrated. And guys, by the way, you can get these on the cheap. You can get the figures even on the card for 20 30 bucks which is not a bad shake at all so um i highly recommend it there's some fantastic stuff and you can look at the uh, toys of time forgot volume two by blake wright he showcases what would have been the later series which are really bizarre bizarre figures including a bat skeleton um which would make a great soup that brings us to bots master from toy biz 1994 i never watched the show but I, I got to give a lot of love to big, bulky robot toy lines. And in all honesty, within the past couple months, I've bought some of these figures. They're, they kind of suck, I'll be honest with you. They're, they're not great. They're, they're sort of in weird poses with action features taking front and center, meaning you're left with things that don't quite articulate right. Now, I've also in the past had the baseball robot. His name is Bats. And much like Eric from Bionic 6, I, I've always been obsessed with baseball-style robot characters. Um, there's also a great NES game that was like futuristic baseball that I really liked. And, and in truth, I've done toy designs for the modern Night of the Slice line of a sports-type robot because I think it'd be something interesting and fun to, to figure out. Very far away from that ever being reality. Uh, I am currently searching for the Ninja character from this line if anybody has him i would like him complete uh his name is ninjas unfortunately for him but uh let me know if you got one i'd like to check it out there's also a sort of combiner wave of figures that have bigger bulkier robots that look a little less humanoid and seem to sort of gestalt into a larger robot Um, those might be fun to check out so bots master i I think the quality kind of 
ebbs and flows. Uh, if you guys have strong feelings, I would love to hear what you think of it. Then after that, we come to something I've talked about ad nauseum on this program. Brave Star, you know how I feel about this, from Mattel, Space Cowboys. Big mood right now for me as we are chipping away at this project with Kit Lau for our futuristic cowboy. Uh, this is just a fantastic line. I've, I've talked at great length. I'm not going to sort of go through the steps again, but really, really killer. The one weakness I think that Bravestar has is a lack of secondary and tertiary characters that are interesting. I will give you that Tex Hex is, is a good villain. I will, I will allot you that point. I would say that Thunderstick is arguably the coolest character. Another check for the villain side of the, the equation. Um, there is nobody else who's even remotely interesting in this line outside of those three characters, with Marshall Bravestar being the first, obviously. 3030s, I mean, it could be an interesting character. It looks nothing like its counterpart in the TV series, and his standing sort of humanoid position is laughable. I hate the little munchkin guys, the scuzzbucket. They're terrible. I want to punch them in the face. I would, I would like to vomit into their hat and then put their hat back on them. I think they're terrible. Handlebar, I mean, the less I say about this guy, the better, but he definitely goes to... Uh, to rollerblading rinks and listens to disco music. Yeah, that's right. He's an Irishman. I said it. Um, yeah, they really needed they needed some juice when it came to supporting characters because there's there's nothing interesting there. You know that he needed another yeah, a deputy that was actually cool or something. I don't know. I mean, there I, I've seen prototypes of the Lady Judge figure who arguably you know, could have fit that mold here. But, um, look, I, I feel like this is sacrilegious to say anything negative about uh, Bravestar, because it is a fantastic line. It is in my top 20, also, I would say. Next up is Mission Bravo, which are just sort of generic G.I. Joe ripoff guys. I believe the molds were reused from Sergeant Rock or several other lines. Diecast torsos, pretty boring. Bronze Bomber, very interesting toy line from Olmec. Olmec were sort of trying to depict African-American characters in action figures. Um, if I'm not mistaken, they also had a sort of five-inch Master of the Universe-style line. Uh, these are sort of militaristic-type um, characters. I think that they share tooling with A-Team. Yeah, it looks like they came out after A-Team, so they would have been reusing... Some of those molds, which I think also made an appearance in several other lines. Um, you know, there's something cool to this. It just probably wasn't done. It didn't have the best execution. It says here that the line was revived in 1996 using actual G.I. Joe molds salvaged from, Han from Hasbro. And they added African tribal shields. I think that's pretty wild. That's very cool. I gotta check this out. Oh, yeah, I see. These are, yeah, you can see they are reusing G.I. Joe bodies. Wow, that's cool. I'm going to do a little research there. I think that's pretty great. After that is Disney's Bubble Princess Collection from Mattel. I have no idea what that is. Moving along, Buck Rogers. So this was out around the same time as Battlestar Galactica. Um, I had a couple of these figures. I did like the sort of rainbow sticker around 
their bicep, but other than that, they are pretty forgettable, pretty bland, and again, like, no eye deco. Um, Tweaky, I think, kids liked. I remember just being annoyed by Buck Rogers, although I did kind of like the uh, fluffy little creatures that uh, followed them everywhere. There's a brief mention of a toy line called Buddy Charlie, which seems to be Mark's uh, trying to utilize cloth clothing. I don't know anything about it. Never seen these, so no comment there. But right after that, we get to something very interesting, Bucky O'Hare from Hasbro. Bucky O'Hare, I think, is probably one of the few lines that went after that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle dollar and did a good job. These are fantastic characters. They're fantastic toys. I remember uh, I bought Blinky first, which is a really cool robot figure. Clearly, it may be somewhat inspired by Fugitoid from Eastman and Laird, potentially. Um, I also really liked the weapons, which had sort of storage on the figures. There were belt hoops or pegs that you could kind of plug these into. I, I got Blinky first, I remember that, and then I got Bucky shortly thereafter. Um... Just a lot of fun, great colors, cool vehicles, interesting characters. I never really felt compelled to own any of the villains, um, but I do think like this is one of the the small success stories in kind of trying to mimic Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Where I, where I find Biker Mice from Mars to be pretty vapid imitation, Bucky O'Hare I felt like had a little bit more life and was saying something interesting. Had a, had kind of a Star Wars vibe to it as well. After that is Bugbots, which are just kind of Buddy L trying to get into the Transformer game, followed by Bugmen of Insecta. I've come across a few of these in my adult life. Very weird line. Um, kind of muscle-bound creatures. Awesome card art. One of those obscure, bizarre lines. If you're a creature type of character, you just might like it. Then we got a bunch of lines that I know nothing about, never had, Bump of the Night by Street Players, and uh, Busy World of Richard Scary, which, you know, in 1995 I was not a toddler, so these didn't appeal to me. Then we get to something that was kind of interesting, a little bit before my time, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, the early years. Um, This was obviously coasting off of the successful... Paul Newman, Robert Redford film. And I remember having a few of these figures and thinking that they were Star Wars figures. And, uh, you know, not really knowing the difference and just assuming that they were Han Solo or Luke Skywalker with a mustache. Um, The Mint Wagon playset looks pretty awesome, though, I must say. And I have looked into trying to procure one. Very expensive nowadays. Then Olmec who uh, was doing the African-American G.I. Joe figures, had this line called Butterfly Women, who look kind of like She-Ra, and uh, I never came across these. I wonder if regionally these figures were more popular. I don't know that I ever saw them on the East Coast. Maybe that's just me. Moving along to Tycho, who reused some of their Dino Rider figures for a line called Cadillacs and Dinosaurs. Now, Cadillacs and Dinosaurs was an uh, indie comic, but to me it was notable because it was this fabled arcade game. 
It was a side-scrolling beat-em-up where you could ride dinosaurs and you would fight poachers. And I think I played it once at the Big E and then spent years trying to find this arcade cabinet again. And and this was kind of pre-internet or early internet, so there wasn't a ton of information on this game. It felt like it was maybe something I had imagined playing. But sure enough, it, it does exist. It's out there. Beautiful sprite work in that video game. You should check it out. I'm sure you can get, uh, you know, an emulator download of it. The figures themselves are pretty lackluster. Uh, I did recently get the actual Cadillac from the toy line, and it's pretty cool. I am very happy with that vehicle. It was a good purchase. Um, You know, there's a kind of rockabilly 90s, 80s, 90s rockabilly revival flair to these things. And um, I think it's mildly interesting. It's also a good way to get cheap replacements for your Dino Riders collection. Dino Riders being really one of the more expensive lines to collect and and try to get, you know, uh, complete figures for. You can get some of the base dinos from this line uh, at a steal if that's your goal. While I may never have had read the comics, I have admired the sort of cover art of this line. There's also some beautiful cabinet art on this this, uh, game as well, which no surprise coming from Capcom. But Cadillacs and Dinosaurs definitely visually inspired the ideas of Pangaea Island amongst, you know, a couple different sources. But it, it definitely gets a shout out for being so evocative that me really not diving into the property at all definitely pulled inspiration from it for things like Pangea Island. Following that is Captain Action from Ideal, 1966 to 1968. I had some Captain Action reissues. He's uh, been reissued a few times. Um, When I sort of picked him up, it, it was very big and very cheap at KB to get into the Captain Action game. You know, I I know people have an affinity for this line. I think it's largely based on your age. If you didn't grow up with it, it means a little bit less. Um, It's kind of hokey to me. Sorry to say it. But, um, you know, I'm sure that they will try to relaunch this again at some point in the future. It's just not a character I've ever had uh, an aspiration to own. I think part of the flaw of Captain Action is that he himself is only interesting when he puts on the sort of uh, costume of a better hero, right? So right off the bat, you know you have a main character problem. I was also thinking about this, you know, it's one of those rules in writing, don't remind people of something better. And I, I was just watching Westworld, where they have this cameo of Game of Thrones within the episode, and it's like... You know, Westworld, you really shouldn't remind people of a far superior show. (laughs) When, you know, Westworld has really struggled to have a cohesive, you know, season. Um, And I think that that's sort of the problem that Captain Action suffers from. The toy line is reminding you of better characters that you can probably get superior figures of. Following that is Captain Planet. He's our hero. Gonna get... Pollution Down to Zero, is that the theme song? I don't know. Tiger Electronics put out this line. I will admit, this was a uh, day one purchase for me. I saw, they used to do the um, Saturday morning preview on Friday night, and it would usually be hosted by um, 
you know, the uh, TGIF actors, Urkel or whoever, and they would show you previews of the cartoons that would come out that Saturday. And then usually, if the stores were smart, they would have the toys for those, those characters on shelf that Saturday afternoon. Uh, I remember Captain Planet was one of those scenarios. I saw the preview, I watched the show, and I got to go to Toy Works or Kmart or wherever, and I picked up the Captain Planet figure, and he sucked. Not a, not a great figure. I had the sort of flying one, which had this overly complicated mechanism that he, you would dangle him off of a ring. Um, it sucked. It sucked. It's a shitty figure. There are a couple cool sort of variants in this line. There are like color change features. There's a glow-in-the-dark Duke Nukem figure. Um, it's... I still wouldn't recommend this. I, I, I am very happy to have the European version uh, Duke Nukem, which is wearing a Hawaiian shirt and board shirts, shorts, and has a sort of sound chip and light-up features. I am missing his rod that he holds but that is a that, that's a difficult figure to come by there's some later uh european only releases from this line that are really hard to come by and um it's you know for every one interesting character in this line there's four or five really bland really terrible toys so overall i, I wouldn't put this in the top of any of my list but there are one or two kind of cool highlight figures you can collect Captain Power, co-created by Gary Goddard. Do yourself a favor. Google Gary Goddard controversy. You're going to have a hell of a read ahead of you. <laughs> and I'll say no more than that. Outside of the potentially terrible parentage of this line, um, I really was obsessed with the show. It had very early CGI, which was mind-blowing to me. There was this interactivity, a sort of Duck Hunt style, uh, you know, flash on the TV screen that would trigger reactions in the toys, which I thought was really cool. Um, the figures, concept-wise, are great. Execution-wise, pretty poor. They get high marks for having a lot of electroplating, interesting color schemes, but the figures were just inferior to G.I. Joe and prone to breakage, which is particularly egregious in my book. Um, Mike Mancuso of the Yeti, good friend of the show, uh, he came to Toy Pizza Con this past summer, probably the first and last Toy Pizza Con, and he had with him an entire bin of Captain Power figures, a lot of them in the box, and he said, this is a cursed lot of toys. He's like, I will sell it to you, but it will only bring you misfortune. <laughs> um, he wanted like $20 for this huge bin of these figures. And I, I said, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to roll the dice. And uh, sure enough, um, that was uh, summer of last year. Think of all the bad things that have happened in, in the universe since last summer. And we know that we can blame Captain Power for this. There, there's no question that that cursed lot of toys has brought about all the evil that we deal with now on a daily basis. I do want to give high marks to this very odd little playset, Transfield Communication Station. Um, I'm holding it right now in my hand. It is 
just like a little console, computer screen, swing out chair. Um, I don't know why, but I really love this thing. It is, it's got, you know, very flashy stickers. It has a very weak sort of winding antenna that you trigger and it spins around and makes a crank noise. Got a little binoculars for lookout. It's such a dumb thing, but it, it brings me a lot of joy. And I often pretend that this is like a um, telegram station for cowboys to kind of come to and, and send emergency signals out uh, during a shootout. Um, just a weird sort of anomaly there. I don't, I don't know if I uh, would recommend Captain Power. I think there's more disappointment in this line than anything else. And uh, man, if you if you uh, check it, check out this alleged behavior of Gary Goddard, you're probably not going to want anything to do with this either. Which brings us to Care Bears, the Kenner figures, these stubby little guys. I had a few of them. Uh, I always admired the clown, the uh, cloud mobile from afar. I thought that was kind of a cool vehicle that I never had. But I, I liked these guys. I thought they were cool, interesting, kind of roto figures almost. Um, and you know, as four or five years old, everybody loved the Care Bears. I'm not going to make apologies for that. I think they're. Uh, they're still pretty cool. And then I would go on to work on Care Bears at Play Along in the early aughts. Um, and, you know, my personal hell was just folding and taping and creating hundreds and hundreds of comp packaging for Care Bears for showrooms, which was its own version of uh, Dante's Inferno. After that is Casper from Tycho. Never saw the movie, never had these toys, don't care about it. But after that is C.B. McHall from Mego. They would use these body parts for many things, including pocket superheroes. Most notable for essentially looking like, well, they're men jerking off. They have their, their hand cupped and open right on their groin. They're in a crouched position. I don't know what they were thinking with posing figures like this. They are clearly jerking it. They're jerking that gherkin. They're pulling on it. They're smacking it around. I'm, you know, this toy line has strayed very far from God's light. Moving on, Celestra, Queen of the Transforming Dolls from Placo, 1986. I have no idea what this is. Followed up by a line that, you know, I like. And I liked quite a bit back then. Kenner, Centurions. Oh, man. One of my grails is definitely the, the unreleased... Uh, final two figures of Centurion. There is a Native American fellow. Uh, I don't remember his name. I want to say maybe Tomahawk. Um, and then Max Power, who was a Centurion. No, maybe not Max Power. Rex Power? I think it was Rex. He's essentially a Centurion who has a glow-in-the-dark base plastic. And it looks really nice. And there was one on sale on eBay a few years back. I've never seen it reemerge, but man, those are too high on my list. Centurions was a line that I was very excited about as a kid. I had Ace McCloud. I thought they had really handsome, cool, rugged hero characters. I did not like that their hands really didn't grip any other weapons. They were also kind of an odd size. Um, did not like the, the villain characters. This, I think, is a line that really lacks interesting, compelling villains. You know, this is probably a great A example. 
I hated the look of the t of Dr. Terror and Hacker. I thought they sucked. And then they were just sort of like drone robots as backup villains. Really, truly lacking that Darth Vader type character, this toy line was. Um, the sort of compatibility and the different accessories and armors, pretty cool and definitely something that uh, influenced the creation of Glyos, I'm sure. The most notable thing about this line is, of course, that I would reuse the helmet from Ace McCloud for my own creation. Um, the character Dustin, who I've shown you before, the lips manless, wearing a jaunty little jacket with this futuristic helmet on. I hope to one day bring him into the Nice and Slice toy line. And that's where it all started. So that's Centurions. I think it's it's a good line to collect. It's It doesn't crack my top 20, I don't think. Um, but I understand the appeal there, for sure. Following that, we got a bunch of lines I know very little to nothing about. Champion Championship Wrestling Sounds. Looks like knockoff figures. Don't know anything about that. Charger Tron, which are Transformer knockoffs. Charlie's Angels from Hasbro, way before my time. Uh, Chipmunks from Ideal, Alvin and the Chipmunks. Uh, I did have a couple of Chipmunk figurines. These appear to be bigger figures with cloth clothing, and I don't like them. That is part two of the Toy Mart's Toy Encyclopedia, action figures A to Z. Next episode, boy, it's bleak. There are a lot of really terrible toy lines coming up, but uh, Chuck Norris Karate Commandos, we'll talk about that. Tune in, there will be more. If uh, for some reason you're hearing this on another platform, make sure you check out patreon.com slash Destasio, where you will have instant access to over 130 Destazopods, behind-the-scenes information about the Knights of the Slice action figure toy line, and the occasional bikini picture of me. Very tasteful, very artistic. Not anything that would be considered pornography, I assure you. With that said, all that there is left to say, for me to say is, Pete's out.